Welcome to Erotic Nonsense, the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay, I mean read. <laughs> we'll explore it all, classic bodice-ripping historical romance, provocative political thrillers, sexy sci-fi, and everything in between. Every week, we'll each cover one story, no spoilers, we'll share our favorite moments, which of your favorite tropes to expect, and rate its readability, how hot it is, and how romantic it is. We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Okay, I had a rough week last night, last week. Um, it was like, I don't, like, have you ever had a week where it's just like, like, you just like so unlucky or like bad things just like keep happening oh, to you that it's like, yes. it feels like a sitcom or yep. like, like a bad, yes. yeah. So yeah. that was, that was my week. It was like, and actually I had like the word, like the coup de gras was like today. So like, I'm like just riding this like oh. bad luck way. And last week it was bad enough that we canceled this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You canceled, still made it. Canceled because yeah. I was sick. So oh, like, yeah. yeah. So like first I like sprayed my ankle at soccer. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and then Maggie was sick. And I was sick um, and then had like two really bad things happen at work. Like nothing was really like my fault. A hundred percent. Like one thing I like made a mistake and like it happens, but like Mm -hmm. it was like a thing. It was like a safety thing that like, yeah, it was like in the middle of a project, like something changed. And I just like didn't think about like how that change would like affect. And then like no, no one caught it, you know, like down the chain either. Um, and of course like the one bad thing that could happen happened. So, um, and it's, it's like fine. It's just going to be like an expensive thing, which I just like feel bad for, um, anyway. Yeah. That doesn't Um, feel great. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but then, um, so I had a sprained ankle on one foot and then I smashed my toe against some lumber that we had in our garage. (laughs) On the other foot? <laughs> On the other foot. And I like, oh it's like bat. Like, I think I broke my toe. Oh like, my God. I'll show you. It's purple. Oh my God. And Did like, you go? No, I mean, they don't do anything for broken toes anyway. So it was oh just like, it was just my God. stupid. Um, and then so today, I, <laughs> I was, we were walking our dogs. Um, and I On was, your broken toe? And my broken toe and sprained ankle. And sprained ankle. <laughs> And I was, like, picking up poop, and I, like, leaned down with my, like, hoodie strings to, like, pick up the poop, to, like, tie the bag in a knot, and my hoodie string went, like, perfectly into the bag of poop. Oh, (laughs) my God. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Just burn it all down for the insurance money and start your life over. Pretty much. 
much. I was like scared to drive here tonight. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so, I'm sorry. It's it's like mostly all just like stupid like first world problem type. Totally, shit. but and, like, it's like a minor injuries but... of like yeah. huge inconveniences yeah. and um, bummer work situations. God, mm-hmm. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry um, for canceling last week. I mean, <laughs> I understand. Thanks for still being here. Jesus. How are um, you? <laughs> um, I'm okay. I <clears throat> work is like pretty balanced right now, although I did have like a surprise oil tank situation today, which is oh, a bummer. Fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, it's okay. And then our big piece of news is that Obviously, my, you know this, but my mm. husband, Brian, quit his job. Oh, um. <laughs> I thought this was going to be something else for a minute. Oh, no. I was like, what else? <laughs> no, I, I didn't save anything back. So, no. um, so Brian quit his job um, on last Thursday. So right. next Thursday will be his last day. And there's no other job. He's going to just stay home for a while. So, um, yeah, that is a terrifying but exciting yeah. prospect. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be our... Soul income earner mm-hmm. for a little while, which it's going to be pretty great. I mean, we, I'm sure like anyone who has, well, lived it all in this pandemic, um, but especially those with kids, um, it's like we've just been operating at like a level that is not sustainable right. for like human existence. Right. Um, between like work and kids and the pandemic overload, like mm-hmm. having them home for all that time when we were both working. Um, so it's pretty exciting to like think about getting a chance to kind of catch and just like slow down and, for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually like I'm going into the slow season at yeah. work. So like you I would have, been, have some time together. Yeah. Which is like, I don't even know. I hope to be <laughs> Are able you to find a way. Sure this- <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> you can always go into your office. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I just don't know how I like, it's going to be, make me feel very guilty to like not be working a ton when mm. Brian is now home full time. So we will see if we are able to enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah. um, it'll be nice to also after like years of being the um, number one caretaker of our children mm-hmm. household, despite also switch working. that up. Yeah. So it should be go. a fun experiment. And is he um, excited for that? He is actually. Yeah. I mean, he says he is. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's, he's excited to have some time off and focus on other things. Yeah. And be kind of, um, <sighs> lead parent for a while so yeah it's it's pretty wild uh ask me about it after we arrange our healthcare. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so, oh god um, yeah so that's gonna be that's fun. yeah that's it's healthcare time right now too it's yeah yeah, yeah so we we'll, it's like open enroll anyway but this right. will be the first time we've had to purchase healthcare on the open market Ugh, so god yeah i'm not looking forward worst. to that anyway that's a very grown-up boring conversation but um that's all <laughs> i can think about this week so yeah. um aside from our books this week and my like thesis level deep dive I, well after like missing a week i was like really excited to come record so yeah totally i mean i actually find this is probably super dorky but i like really enjoy researching me too yeah. <laughs> and i'm like i actually kind of missed this yeah yeah and especially like just for the joy of like learning it yeah i do occasionally i'll like go down like a weird rabbit hole and realize that it's not going to work at all and then i get super annoyed but yeah. like yeah, it's still fun. Well, I've definitely done that too, but I like set those ideas aside and then I need to like find a book that works with that idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm good otherwise. So, um, very excited to be recording again because it's been a few weeks. 
Awesome. Um, yes, and I'm yeah. also very excited to be drinking. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I mean, I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, which by the way, it's not COVID. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, t- we tested. Um, it's just a daycare cold, which Ugh, yeah, yeah, I remember happens. Um, well, I'm sorry. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. I actually did have to take my first COVID test. Oh, of really? All time, oh, your first like a week and a half ago. Yeah, oh. I hadn't had to because we haven't traveled or done. Yeah, anything. like we haven't had any time when we were like mandated to take one. Right. And hadn't ever had a scare. So, That's so um, yeah, yeah, which is kind of wild. Um, but we like my job is just uniquely like situated, right? To be, yeah, like, yeah, really, really low risk, and um, yeah. But then I got, I just got a cold and I don't know where it came from because oh, yeah. no one else in my household had it, but it was like a uh, sore throat and phlegmy grossness. And so That's yeah. exactly what it I was had. way easier yeah. than I thought. Thank goodness. Um, but That's good. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, should I describe our drink yes. that we are drinking? Yeah. Let's okay. get into it. So um, I read The Bone Witch by A.V. Or <laughs> Ivy Asher. <laughs> um, and so the drink we are drinking is called the Bone Witch's Brew. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, and it's a really cool looking, um, it has some special purple ice cubes. Yeah, those are amazing. Can you explain <laughs> how you made those? <laughs> yes. um, so they're made just by pouring... Um, boiling water so you like boil the water and then like turn it off and mm-hmm. then you pour it over um a uh, purple cabbage right and so then, so it's just like purple water yes and yeah water. and then yeah <laughs> um yeah and they just freeze in ice cube trays awesome. um i will say that the recipe said to leave it for like maybe five minutes but i was doing it while i was like cooking so it uh-huh. sat a little longer but i don't like <laughs> taste it in there it doesn't so I think taste weird it is so purple yeah it's, it's a amazing. really purple yeah <laughs> um okay and then there is uh tequila triple sec lemonade lime juice um and then in the bottom are the bones which are <laughs> made out of sweet tarts skulls and bones candy it's, they're so hilarious <laughs> i was very excited when you got those out. i mean yeah this book um was really fun to to make a drink I, around so. okay I'm so excited for like a halloweeny witchy <laughs> romance book this is gonna be really yeah. exciting and fun okay uh let's take a break and then i'll get into my book Woo-hoo. All right, let's get into it. Yay, I can't wait. Okay, The Bone Witch by Ivy Asher. All right, I'm going to read the back of the book. I never thought in a million years that the bones would choose me. The power, the magic, was supposed to go to someone else in my family. I was counting on it. But now my Grammy Ruby is gone, and here the bones sit on my kitchen table. I thought bitter relatives would be my biggest problem, but I've barely had time to find a familiar before the trouble comes a-knocking. The kind that possesses smoldering green eyes and a smile that can turn any woman dumb. Wait, what? His name is Rogan Kendrick, and he's certain that someone is hunting down and taking my kind. According to him, I'm next. This is a world that I never wanted to be a part of, but magic gives no fucks and takes no prisoners. At least we have that much in common. I don't know what my ancestors were thinking when they chose me, but I'm going to give them a run for their money. My name is Lennox Osseus, but you can call me the Bone Witch. (laughs) okay um first of all i love it when you're like already deep into uh the like back of book descriptor whatever and like then they drop like an f-bomb like it feels it's like so out of i was like oh this is what we're doing um also definitely thought that a familiar was going to be like a fuzzy kitty cat so like 
the love interest is her familiar? Um, kind of, yes, but like not on purpose. Okay. Um, yeah, this happens in the beginning of the book, so I don't mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He like, he, <laughs> let's see if I can remember exactly how this happened. He like, to because he needs her help, he like broke, not broken, but he like basically like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to explain this as a way that like doesn't make him sound terrible but I kind of think he's terrible anyway so which we'll get into later (laughs) um yeah he like when he finds out that she's like the new bone witch or whatever he Mm -hmm. like creates this like bond between them so I think he actually makes her his familiar oh like somehow as like a way to like force her to help him okay but then in retaliation she like tethers their magic somehow differently yeah which but before that happened she did have a familiar that was like this awesome little uh dog dog yeah dog named hoot hoot yeah that's so cute (laughs) that's more what i was expecting yeah but then like after this whole the whole like thing with him happened then like somehow she said that like he wasn't hoot wasn't her familiar anymore so i don't know there we'll get into it the magic was a little confusing Uh uh-huh okay Convenient sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, oh, I'm going to cast the book. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So Lennox Osseus, which Osseus comes from like osteo. It's like bone, okay. like bone yep. uh-huh. witches run in their family or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Emma Mackey, who is Maeve Wiley from Sex Education. Okay, Just, this is extremely embarrassing. I haven't watched Sex Education Oh, you have yet. to. Yeah, I know. It's been on my list like, for like, so the whole funny. time it's been airing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's like, she's actually in something else um, that now I don't remember what, but she's, yeah, uh, she's like kind of like dark haired and like pointy mm-hmm. face and <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Um, pretty much perfect for this character. And then Rogan Kendrick, who we've discussed, is a... Uh, possible asshole i also have like a visceral reaction to the name rogan i know i know (laughs) that should have been like a red flag from like reading the back of the book that what kind of book this was gonna be yeah probably um poor seth i actually i picked this book based on the cover i did not read the back at all because the cover cover. was amazing um okay let me pull i mean that's like half of like now we have to think about it more because of podcasting but uh definitely a good cover is like half of why I chose books before (laughs) uh yeah let me see can I make this bigger here that's badass right yeah yeah I love it (laughs) they had a good artist yeah and that is where it ended (laughs) (laughs) oh no Uh, all right so overall oh wait main trip no I didn't even finish casting all right, get my shit together here. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about my main thoughts. Yeah. Um, okay, so Rogan Kendrick, I cast uh, with um, Chris Pine. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean that's like typical. Like, I actually don't uh, really like him that much. Chris's with me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, he's definitely not my top Chris, but uh, he's I was, an acceptable Chris. Right? I mean, yeah, I was like pretty disappointed that he was the like male character from Wonder Woman. Like, I, I'm not a big fan. He's of okay. Yeah, he's I okay. loved him in Star Trek. I mean, like, oh, well, he was perfect for that. For Captain role. Kirk, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, which is also a little a little assholey vibe. Yeah, in there. <laughs> totally. I mean, it works, right? Yeah. Like that tracks. <laughs> that does track. 
Okay, so main tropes. Um, it's like a paranormal witches book. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like there is there's sort of like a marriage of convenience. Like we talk. It's like the familiar thing of mm-hmm. like that's sort of like they're a, like linked. Together. They're linked. Yeah. yeah. So like that's kind of but that didn't really fit like any of the other like tropes really. So I mean I think it's just like it's a themed romance. Like yeah. 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 Um. Okay. Finally, my overall thoughts. Okay. So I think overall it was just kind of meh. Like it. Like, it started out so well, and, like, it had so much potential, um, and I was into it. I thought the world building and the, like, magic um, at the beginning was, like, done really well. Okay. Um, But it did end on a cliffhanger, which is, like, a eh. Yeah. And there was no sex scene. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, like, a series. So yeah. I think maybe if you read the yeah, others. Like working up to it, maybe. Yeah, but I also like a real like slow burn. If... Normally, it's like you read the first book to get a sense of like what to expect in the next books. Like, mm-hmm. if there's no sex in the book. I probably would expect that there's not going to be there, sex. Yeah, in there the was tension um, yeah. and an almost scene, uh-huh. but yeah. Um, so then it, it's not like it was fade to black. It's like they just never did it, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, it was not. It was not YA. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So uh, there was some other issues, kind of with the like the writing that left me a little confused at times. Like, like it was an action packed book. Like there was a lot of things happening. Um, I appreciate that. I like plot. Yes. Um, but like the way it was written, there was like, there wasn't enough like description of like what was happening. There was like weird dialogue in the middle of an action scene. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you were on the like. Oh my this god! This is like an action thing, and that. you're like, "What is happening?" Like while you're having this twenty minute yes. conversation. Yes, that's okay. I have had some books where I've had a problem with that in the past, like the Akatar series, and um, the other oh, one, that the, is this from is Blood and Ash. Yes, yeah, that like, is not as bad as this. This is okay. Worse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I st- I loved those. Books oh yeah, for like all that they're problematic. As yes, hell, okay, but. And have you ever had, like, a sex scene where they're, like, describing the, like, actions of, like, their hands or their legs and, like, what position they're in? And you're, like, trying to, like, imagine in your brain, like, how it would work. And then you're, like, wait, that's, like, but they were, like, facing this way. And then, like, how do you, like, that's just, like, such a. It's like the author, like, went and took a nap and then came back to it and, like, forgot where. Yeah, where the hands were. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, like, oh, they're (laughs) still on, like, the stairs. Like, how is that possible? (laughs) Yeah. Totally. That sounds I, uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, uh, nothing like uh, this sex scene isn't physically possible to take you out of the moment. Right. But like, it does really take you out of it when you're like, <laughs> but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're I like, can't let it go. Trying to imagine how it's happening. And then they're, then you like picture it one way. And then suddenly it's like, and then his hand caressed my face, but you had like imagined his hands like totally somewhere else. And you're yes. like, wait, yes. how? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, it's really frustrating that it happened in my book that I read this week, actually, that I was like, he like turned her around and I was like, but wait, they were already facing this way. So now why is she seeing that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Uh, all right. I talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Like I like. The fantasy world that was set up at the beginning was great. It was like detailed and complex mm-hmm. in like a good way. And like at the beginning, it was like, oh, we're going to like find out things like how this magic works. And like it was like really interesting. Like she is a bone witch 
And then like Rogan is a blood witch. So it's like, I kind of enjoyed that setup. It was like like, different kinds of magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they like, there's reference to like other kind of like races of what, like it was like super interesting. Um, But then like as it went on, it kind of felt like the magic was described out of like convenience and like it didn't really like track. Like suddenly she just has like control over every kind of like anything that was ever bone matter which includes like bone dust and she's like suddenly making like earthquakes oh my and i'm God. like wait is, yeah. wait what there's yeah i've read books with very similar problems before and i'm like it's just i mean i there needs to be rules there do need to be rules and it's like well that's this is an issue that i come across in romance sometimes and that like there there are subgenres where they're like borrowing heavily from like high fantasy Mm -hmm. and they're not bringing it all the way together and Mm -hmm. i think this is where romance like really suffers from a lack of editing and like help because, you know, like with someone to help guide you and like help bring your world all together, it would be so much more fun. And I hate that feeling yeah. of like, oh, they really had something, but yeah. they didn't like bring it home. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do get the feeling so like intermixed in so like the writing was like pretty good. Like there were some of those like issues. Um, but then there were these like weird popular culture references like spattered throughout. That I that felt like unnatural and felt like they were like added later. Like yeah. some like young editor got a hold of this and was like, "Oh, <laughs> we need to make this more relatable." <laughs> um, which I'll, I have an ex. I'm gonna I'm calling it an excerpt that I'm reading because I didn't have any favorite lines. Okay, <laughs> so um, yeah, so yeah, I felt like it could have benefited from like a really good editor, if like yeah. like a fantasy editor, someone who, to help yeah. them plot the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, again, like it, and it's like these like weird, like youthy pop culture references, like didn't fit because it's not, it's not a YA book. Like even like the like lack of sex scene, like it doesn't matter. Like the themes like, it's just not a YA Mm -hmm. book. Um, so yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, the characters, like I really tried to like the female main character, Lennox, Lenny, um, like she's just like. She just seems really immature. Like, she's supposed to be this, like, badass, like... Mm-hmm. But, like, she's, like, seems, like, a little unbalanced. And she's, like, a little, like, unnecessarily violent, like, <laughs> with her, like... And, I, I like, the, the when the guy, like, whatever, Rogan, like, comes and, like, does his thing, like, before he even does that, like, she just, like, punches him. Oh, like... Does he, like, surprise her? I, or, like... Like, like, okay, like, maybe it's after that, but, like... It was like they were just like having a conversation and she's just like, no, I'm just going to like punch you. Like that's not going to oh, solve anything. That's a little unusual. Yeah. And then she also like, yeah, she has to like get some stuff back from her relatives. This is also in the beginning. And like this is when she's like suddenly creating like earthquakes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And she like threatens them and like they don't like they're being obstinate, but like not violent Mm -hmm. and then like suddenly she just like breaks her aunt's arm somehow with her like power to like break her bones yeah Yeah. how old is she supposed to be i think she's supposed to be like 20s like early 20s oh okay so this is like new adult age group yeah but like yeah yeah. i mean i admit that like i love a violent like um vengeful full of rage heroin just, like, i do did it love make it but sense. when it does just like yeah. being it was weird casually cruel is like not yeah. the same thing yeah 
Yeah, and then, yeah, Rogan has his own problems. He's also, like, yeah, he's just kind of, like, sleazy. And she just, like, forgives him. Like, she doesn't, she's like, oh, you should never do that again, but doesn't actually do anything oh. about it. Okay. Like, yeah, it was kind of, anyway. Well, where's the violent temperament then? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um. So I, like, I think I probably still would have finished it Um. if it weren't for this podcast, but I don't know. Maybe not. I might, it might have been a, Bit yeah, of a slog. yeah. So uh, ratings, readability three. Um, it wasn't bad, and it, it did d- it did go quick. Yeah. It did go quick. Hotness one, romance one, overall two. Wow. Could have been worse. Yeah, but um, a vibe check. <laughs> Definitely white as fuck. Like we've talked yeah. about. Like there, um, like there's a gay character, but um, I mean there was no real like diversity like it's like this mm-hmm. it's a female character like they don't really talk about like uh like any kind of like feminist themes or mm-hmm. you know like racial diversity so yeah it's like kind of but yeah anyway all right let's read this excerpt okay <clears throat> an oomph escapes me and I stumble back, ricocheting off a wall of pure muscle. Large hands grab me by my shoulders and keep me from ass planting on the linoleum floor. I press my palms up against man pecs to steady myself. And then I look up and up and then up a little bit more to finally set my gaze on what is probably the most attractive face I've ever seen. I've just body checked Joe Jonas's brother. Oh, so, sorry. Joe Jonas's hotter, beefier and more masculine looking older brother. Joe Jonas. That's that was the one of the weird like <laughs> references. Yeah. I was like, yeah. uh, and that was that's just, like just an example. There was like tons of those. That like hitting the wall of muscle thing is in so many of these books, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> it right. just is like when you have almost literally the same line in like 20 different novels. It's like maybe it's time to yeah. retire this one. Um, wow. <laughs> anyway, so this one was a, b- a bit of a dud. And, like, I think lesson learned, like, don't pick it based on the cover. Yeah. I wonder how old the author is. I feel like oh, I didn't they're look either her up. I think younger it's a than us name. to, like, you know, be actually, like, feel young enough to be attracted to Joe Jonas. Or they're, like, way older and, like, trying to choose a man that mm. the youths would like. <laughs> she looks... At least our age. Let me check. Okay. I hate to make assumptions. Yes. Yeah. Also, I mean. She, okay. She is a real prolific paranormal romance author. Well, I mean, that is like, they so often are, (laughs) you know? I mean, that's, it was so shocking to me after doing a Talia Hibbert book. Cause I was like, oh, you know, she has the Brown sisters. Surely these are like her first three. She's like still fucking in college. And I think she's graduated now, but like. No, she had like twenty other books. Like it's. <laughs> All right, I can't find how old she is, but um, I think it's a pen name. Yeah. Anyway, well, um, but yeah, well, so and I actually now that I googled this, I remembered um, it was like on a list of recommendations for paranormal romance because I was specifically okay. looking yeah, yeah. for a paranormal romance to add. So um, it was definitely like recommended and it has good, um, it had good ratings on uh, Goodreads, which I'm oh, now really? realizing don't trust any ratings on no. Goodreads. No, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's like when it's got like a 4.2 or better, then it's like, you know, that it's almost impossible to get that high. 
I mean, let me check, but I think this one did. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I feel like it, it like, it, it leans, it like, people only rate if they're like into it. And yeah. So, yeah. It yeah, is hard. It's, like It's exactly 4.2. Oh my God. <laughs> it is hard with like authors on Goodreads. It's like, I don't want to, <laughs> I even had that thought like on this podcast sometimes. I feel, I don't want to like make fun of people too hard. They're working so hard to write these books. Well, she doesn't seem to be hurting, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's true that I usually only rate things. I mean, but like that's when I love them. That's what this is about. Like this is about like it's we're true. filtering this out so that other people don't have to read this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and move on um, to my deep dive. All right. Okay, um, so my deep dive this week. I I couldn't find a topic that was related to this book that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, so I decided it would be a good idea to talk about um, this sort of like accidental inspiration for the title of our podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, because I think there might be some confusion slash um, <laughs> un- not people not realizing or like we didn't realize when we named this podcast. Like what would happen when... Um, when you Google erotic yes. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's funny that you'll... I did know a little bit about this before. And okay. the reason why I knew is actually not from studying art history in college. Okay. But actually from watching Mad Men. Um, oh, there is. I don't know if you watched that show. I, I like, did. I don't remember this though. Several times through, uh, <laughs> mostly for like the set and costume design. Um, <clears throat> but the one of the partners has a, a painting in his office that is like. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Yes, it's yeah. coming back to me now. Yes, um, that is the like uh, tentacle porn lady. Yes, basically. But anyway, um, don't let me get okay. ahead of you. Let's no, dive that's in. fine. Yeah. Um. So. Right, so it's uh, Ero Guru Nonsensu. I really hope that's somewhat close. Probably not. Yeah. Um, but okay, so in Japanese, which like roughly translates to erotic grotesque nonsense. Yes. Um, okay, and so um, I do. So I think I was like half listening to a podcast that had like briefly mentioned it. And I remember being like, oh, erotic nonsense. That'd be a great name for our podcast. But I was like, <laughs> not even like listening to what it was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and so anyway, um, so if you're here listening to our podcast, looking for this, yeah. that's, that's not what this is. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, we're definitely not talking about art in this podcast. But yeah, also be careful when you're Googling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. Okay. So it. A little bit of history, and this is a very brief overview. So, Aero Guru, which is, it predates the Aero Guru Nonsensu. So, it's an artistic genre focused on eroticism and sexual corruption. So, it, it's like, um, and so like as a term together, it means something that is both erotic and grotesque. Mm-hmm. So, grotesque meaning something malformed, unnatural, or horrific. And some audiences incorrectly think that this means like gore or blood or bloody, um, which isn't true. Like guru does not mean gore. It means grotesque, which is different. 
Um, and so this phenomenon manifested um, in the popular culture of Taisho Tokyo during the 1920s, and it had its roots in um, artists who made erotic woodblock prints. Um, and so there would be these like erotic prints. And then so these artists, so this is already like a little bit taboo. So they would have the erotic prints and then they would also have these other prints that were this like kind of um, like violent acts in history. Um, so like decapitation and like other historic things that happened okay um and then but they're like they weren't sexual in nature not necessarily but they yeah. were like right next to each other and so right. then like eventually <laughs> someone or like multiple artists you know mm-hmm. started to overlap that yeah right um and so um the uh the arrow guru nonsensu <laughs> which is the 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 erotic grotesque nonsense Mm -hmm. which is what like with the like tentacle like that's bringing in like other nonsense things Mm -hmm. so it's like all three so it's erotic grotesque and whatever yeah (laughs) um so that started showing up later like the 20s and 30s um and there was like a brief period of like it was like uh kind of like hidden during the war but then like came back um, Cause it was like a pretty large art movement. It's not like it was just like yes. some like back alley. <laughs> well, right. right. Kind of deal, um, right? And I didn't actually include a lot of this in my notes, but there was like this big history about like the censors that censorship, mm-hmm. um, and like it like probably actually contributed to its popularity. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so like it started in like literature and art, um, and then uh, manga. And music. So, right, right manga yeah. is the, like, Japanese um, comic books. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, okay. Now, <laughs> this is where the point in my research where I was like, what am I doing? I started reading a 2020 dissertation <laughs> <laughs> written by Lisa Lackney of Vanderbilt University. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to... Sounds qu- official. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to quote her here and she is arguing that um ero guru nonsensu um responded to feelings of alienation and anxiety that arose out of so- social change during the taisho which is 1912 to 1926 and early showa uh periods 1926 to 1989 um, while some elements of the genre like detective fiction or, or physiological studies were directly influenced by the West, Ero Guru Nansensu as a whole has no direct equivalent outside of Japan. Um, thus, studying Ero Guru Nansensu can reveal the anxieties of Jap- Japanese, mo- modern- <laughs> Japanese modernity <laughs> shared globally while also showing the culture- culturally specific ways writers and artists responded to them. So she is talking about how like it was like this reaction to this like vastly changing society after the war and like it was a way of kind of like um i don't know like dealing with this like this like stress of like suddenly this like global thing happening um to and like modernization rapid change and everything so Mm -hmm. i don't know i like i i (laughs) i'm not uh an expert in literature and I'm definitely not an expert in art. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, that's like a very brief, like kind of just like this history of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, do you have 
more. I, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, um, it's, it's just as like a fascinating period. Cause, um, I mean, that's a, that's a long period. I think that this mm-hmm. kind of like peaked around the sixties and then like erotic nonsense, like the erotic grotesque nonsense art movement is like peaked around mid century, I think. And okay, then, um, I don't know that for sure. That's just like from my very poor I, memory, but, um, my impression is like, maybe that's when like the rest of the world got a hold of it. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, this definitely seems like it started way earlier. It's, yeah, totally. So. And it's interesting. Cause I mean, this is really like the, the birth of sort of like the global civilization mm-hmm. as we know it now, right, where yeah. like people in New York could know what art looked like yeah. in Tokyo, like yeah. you know, within a matter of days. And so, um, and like, you know, Japan really becoming a part of like our global narrative in the mm-hmm. West as well, following World War II. So yeah, um, it's interesting that that was happening at that time because it has ad like it's not a commonly known um, like field of art um, nowadays. Like, I don't think that most people know, like when they think of Japanese I, art, think of this. I was surprised by the like grotesque part I guess because like Mm -hmm. I like the like tentacle whatever like I've definitely like I've heard of it and know it exists and like it's and like know that it's yeah um but I yeah I was surprised to find that like I guess the like original roots were like decapitations like actual like you know violence Mm -hmm. and you know um not necessarily blood but you know horrific things so it's like it's upsetting you know like whether it's gory or not it's like right the point is to make you uncomfortable right yeah and the like the nonsense part actually like vibes more with me I'm like I think I you know I like oh, I, yeah. I get it oh, I think the lady like, in yeah. that octopus painting is like all in yeah, on what's yeah, happening, yeah, yeah. right so like it yeah. has a, a different vibe for sure right it's like a more playful um like yeah tongue-in-cheek style yeah. rather than this like kind of shocking right right grotesqueties kind of thing but yeah yeah anyway that's all I have good call <laughs> good call breaking that down because yeah, yeah who knows I mean yeah, it's it's not a super. Co- I mean, like when people go and study art history, yeah, you know, like one term in college, right. you know, they're definitely <laughs> looking at like Renaissance art and uh, broke art, right? And they're not usually probably diving into this. So um, right. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So and uh, yeah, and I just wanted to like, I guess just like clarify for the record, <laughs> like <laughs> the naming of the podcast was not like an intentional uh reference to that I guess like I mean you know like this is like (laughs) our erotic nonsense is like the like our hilarious ramblings or things that we think are hilarious and ramblings and like like, we're nonsense yes we're nonsense we're not about erotic topics exactly (laughs) (laughs) so anyway cool thanks for doing that Yeah. yeah all right uh should we take a break let's take a break All right, we're ready to dive into book number two. Let's do it. Okay, so I read this week Neon Gods by Katie Robert. Um, And so, like, funny story, definitely kind of thought I was reading A Touch of Darkness, which is another modern Hades and Persephone retelling, which is what this book is. Oh! Very similar. And um, anyway, so, like, Neon Gods surprised me a little bit by being not quite what I was expecting, because I think... 
I was like remembering what I'd heard about A Touch of Darkness, which oh. I also own and is like the same color story on the oh. <laughs> cover and everything. Oh, no. Um, no, I mean, it's totally fine. And I actually think now, I think I probably will have liked this one better than I would have liked the other one. But oh, well, that's good. We'll see. I also own that one. So <laughs> I'll be getting to it. Um, okay, so... Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. It's a Hades and Persephone retelling, as I already said. So I will start us off with the back of book. Society darling Persephone Dimitro plans to escape the ultra-modern city of Olympus and start over far from the backstabbing politics of the 13 houses. But all that's ripped away when her mother ambushes her with an engagement to Zeus, the dangerous power behind their glittering city's dark facade. With no options left, Persephone flees to the forbidden undercity and makes a devil's bargain with a man she once believed a myth, a man who awakens her to a world she never knew existed. (laughs) Hades has spent his life in the shadows, and he has no intention of stepping into the light. Boney finds that Persephone can offer a little slice of the revenge he spent years craving. It's all the excuse he needs to help her, for a price. Yet every breathless night spent tangled together has given Hades a taste for Persephone, and he'll go to war with Olympus itself to keep her close. Ooh. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I most folks know, like, the loose story of Hades and Persephone. We'll get into it more later. But um, I love a good retelling of a historical myth or even, a, you know, I mean, like, obviously I've already done a Pride and Prejudice retelling on the podcast. Yeah. Like, I love retellings um and I also love a good like um one from the dark one from the light kind of story so Mm. this was fun for me and um I have not read much of the classics like I read the Odyssey and the Iliad the Iliad I read back in high school and like literally no memory um the Odyssey (laughs) I've read a couple of times for a couple different classes and you know I did some light studying of art history which gave me a little more understanding of like the pantheon of gods but um I don't have like a huge base of knowledge to draw from or anything so um all I know is that like Going in, you know, Persephone is like the goddess of spring, whatever. Hades is the goddess of the underworld and my favorite character in the Disney movie Hercules. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so um, let's cast this thing. So I actually, I have um, Margot Robbie as Persephone. Okay. And I like that one. I like Margot Robbie because I think she does that like, I mean, she obviously does like cute, perky blonde girl really well, but then she also does that like crazy in the eyes, really (laughs) intense kind of (laughs) thing really well, which I think works well for Persephone. Um, And then, so I actually like didn't have someone in mind while I was reading the book for Hades. And I like wish I had made this casting in my head while I was reading it because I think I would have enjoyed it even more. (laughs) But I have um, Lee Pace as Hades. Um, So from Pushing Daisies and like a million other things. He plays um, Thranduil in the Hobbit movies. And he also is in the Marvel movies and so much stuff. Um... He's like... I need to watch more movies. I know. I was like, nope, well, no idea. Nope, like, nope. So Pushing Daisies is a show from like the aughts um, that I watched with my mom. And this was back <laughs> when he was like nerdy, cutely paced. And he's like super fucking tall, like six foot five. Um, and, but then like he's done a lot of big like blockbuster movies since then. So of course now he's like ripped and like... Daddy, sorry, daddy. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and... Oh. Yeah, so anyway, 
Yes. He's good. And he's got long hair right now um, in real life. And Hades in this one has long hair as well. Um, And also Lee Pace is bi, which is cool. And Hades is bi in this. And so is Persephone. Um, So anyway, that's my cast. Um, Main tropes for this one, it's fake relationship. Like that's the situation for this retelling is that like (laughs) um, she's... They're using each other both to, like, she's trying to escape her life situation and he's trying to get, like, revenge on Zeus. Um, And I actually had to do, like, a refresher course on, like, how all the gods are fucking related to each other and everything because it's kind of a mess. So, um, okay, so overall thoughts. Um, It's, I'm not, it was really hard for me to figure out why, but this one was, like, kind of a slog for me to get through. Um, And I think ultimately it's just that like, I need a little bit of plot. Like I love character driven work, but like I need some sort of like narrative tension to keep me coming back to the book. And like these guys, they do it early, which like, I appreciate it. Like you guys want it, let's do it. But also I'm like, okay, well we're already doing it. So like, The tension was, like, maybe not there to, like, keep me really invested in the story. Um, And, I mean, (laughs) I think really the thing is that this is, let's see, a 400-page long erotica piece. Like, it's not like, (laughs) you know, it's a novel. There's, like, some very light plot in it, but... It's like a lot of sex. A lot of erotic sex. So okay, but yeah. that, that's okay. I mean, no, nothing wrong with it. Like, I certainly, and I enjoyed it, and the sex scenes <laughs> were well done. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of part of why it was like hard for me to get there. And then, like, your book, I had the same feeling of like, this could be so good, mm, and yeah. it just isn't, you know? Um, and I think, yeah, it's just like over-promised and under-delivered, you know, like it had this kind of like interesting setup, um, and then never kind of went anywhere. So, um, it, it was good for what it was. I enjoyed it for what it was. I just kept like wanting it to be more than yeah. it was. Um, and so I, I knew going in, it, it's a modern, like urban fantasy kind of retelling, right? So like it's set in like the modern era, like there's cars and Oh, but they're still, like, gods? Okay, so, no. Like, here's where it gets really messy. So, <laughs> like, the gods, like, the the major gods, like the Olympians, as they're called in, like, the myth, which is, like, the 12 main gods plus Hades, are, like, jobs. So, like, you know, oh, they had, like, they're like they were people by. and then they, like, became Zeus or they became Dionysus or they became Hermes oh. or whatever. And, but then what's weird is, like, so, like, in Greek mythology, Demeter is Persephone's mom. And Demeter is the, like, goddess of, like, grain and harvest and mm-hmm. food, right? So, like, in this story, Demeter has, is, like, the job that, like, she manages agriculture and farming for this city I guess but like it's I guess they're in like modern Greece is the idea because they also there's like a joke about like a farm in Ohio and I was like what (laughs) like that came out of nowhere um I definitely thought it was supposed to be like an imagined world you know yeah um and but then like so Persephone the character is Demeter's actual daughter in the book okay that's they're like blood related 
But then Demeter is like a job. So I'm like, I don't understand why Persephone is like a real person and it's not a job. But then the other gods like are jobs and they're not like real gods. And I, I actually, it just occurred to me today as I was like preparing my um, mini dive is that like, I guess that she probably did it that way to like get rid of all the incest. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, um, they're all fucking related. Right. And it's kind of in, upsetting. Yeah. yeah. So like in actual Greek mythology, like Demeter is Zeus's sister and Hades mm. and Zeus are brothers along with Poseidon. Right. And like some accounts have Persephone in mythology being Zeus's daughter and some don't. Um, and some right. have them sleeping together and some don't. It's anyway. And some it's have like, both. <laughs> literally. <laughs> and so it's like, and like if the, you know, in the ones where he's her father, like Dem- Demeter's his sister. So like there's some, yep. anyway, there's a lot of that going on. So I, I realized that might've been why, why she did it that way, but it ultimately doesn't make a lot of narrative sense. Um, anyway. Yeah. And then, um, the other thing is that the world building is just real fucking vague. Like I, <laughs> it's in the beginning, I was like, kind of thought there was going to be magic in the world. Cause there's sure, like, they're gods, right? Well, so, that's what or I like, thought. Supposedly. But like, I guess not. But and I guess then, not. But like, I guess it's just jobs. Yeah. And then Hermes is, um, so Hermes is a, a woman in this retelling, which is cool. But like she, it's like totally suggested that she has like magical powers. Like Hades is always like, oh, I have no idea how she's always getting into my house. Like she, you know, and I was like, oh, she must have like some power that makes her a great like, because she's also like a spy as well as being a messenger. Right. Anyway. But but no, like at, towards the end of the book, like Persephone just like catches her climbing in a window. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, is that the like great mystery of how she gets in your fucking house? Like, Lock your not, windows. Not special. <laughs> like anyway. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing. I, I love magic generally. Right. Yeah. And, um, no, it was definitely just like an urban um not even fantasy. It's just like retelling, I guess. Huh. Um, and then, yeah, the way the world works is confusing. Like the Olympians are not gods. They're like jobs. But then some of the like minor gods are still like real people. Like those are their actual given names and they're not jobs. Anyway, it's just like messy and mushy. Um, and like I just missed like them. Ha- I wanted them to have powers. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted her to be like fucking. So like what was underworld. Zeus's job then? Like president i don't know mayor prick in charge like (laughs) (laughs) um and oh and like in this book zeus is like okay everybody hates him he's a huge piece of shit which like okay accurate but like um he he like all the heroes keep dying like he's just like murdering his wives i guess and that's why like persephone you know she's gonna be engaged to him her mother is like arranged this so she's running because she's like I'm not gonna just get fucking murdered and like Hera is like a doesn't actually have like the job isn't anything it's just like Zeus's wife right um so uh, anyway um and so yeah I just I was like sad about not having yeah. powers and like what's what's so cool about Persephone is that like she is a, a minor god like in the pantheon of gods she's not an Olympian but um she's like fucking badass like the goddess Persephone like she's like she's the whole like birth of the seasons and like how the world keeps turning Aww. um and queen of the underworld which is like it's just badass and so like she doesn't have any of that you know which kind of reduces her down to then like Hades 
wife, partner, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and so, but it leaves Hades as like still a major player. Like he runs this whole like underworld that's like a separate part of Olympus or whatever and creates this like big power imbalance that doesn't feel great. Um, I do like how the character is written, the Persephone character in this one. Like she has plans and goals and she's got an agenda. Like, you know, she's not being used um, any more than she's using anyone else. So that's good, I guess. Um, but it, it would have been cool to like, like we didn't get the whole like her stay. Like I thought it was going to end up being like she's going to stay in Olympus or in um, the underworld for like six months of the year and then like spend the rest of the time doing whatever the fuck she said she wanted to do in the beginning of the book to escape. You know, like yeah. I was all ready for that to be like the cool way the myth like comes back into the story, but it didn't. She just like stays in the underworld forever. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, yeah, that it just never gets that far. Um, okay. So anyway, all that aside, uh, it is good for what it is, and the <laughs> sex is good. Um, Hades and Persephone have really good chemistry. It is sex positive. It's kink positive. There's lots of consent and, like, communicating about things before they're done, you know, creating safe words. Although I never, we never get to find out what her safe word is, which is Aww. kind of... <laughs> um, so that is nice. I mean, it is like I'd seen this book reviewed as like Fifty Shades of Grey, but with Greek gods. But it's like, oh. well, I haven't actually read Fifty Shades of Grey, but my <laughs> understanding is that it's pretty bad on like yeah. the consent and everything. And this book does it really well. Um, and the sex scenes are plentiful. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, they're having sex like 100 pages in. Nice. And it, yeah, it's it's really good. They're long. They're hot. Um, yeah. Erotica. I mean, um, so anyway, that's, it's definitely enjoyable. Like I would still recommend it, especially if you're looking for like a hot, fun read, just don't expect any great plot or world building. Um, also I think that like my favorite Hades and Persephone retelling is still The Wintersmith by Terry Pratchett. Oh, <laughs> like, I kept thinking of that through this whole book. Like how like, this wasn't as good. <laughs> no. Um, like a book written for 13 year olds has a better retelling. Um, where Persephone isn't even like a real character. But um, <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So yeah, it's, it's enjoyable for what it is. Um, so my ratings. All right. Readability, uh, I give it a four. I mean, like, it never quite delivers on the plot like I want it to, but the writing is fine. The character moments are pretty good. Um, hotness, four and a half. It's pretty, it's pretty fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, romance, I actually also gave it a four. Like, their relationship is pretty cute. They communicate. They clearly care about each other, but also themselves and, like, their own shit. And they're working through their shit. It's pretty good. Um, but overall, I just gave it a three and a half because yeah. I just was missing. It was missing some pieces for me. Um, the vibe check, yeah. Well, both the leads are bisexual. And um, not that there's any, like, clear, like, exploration of that. It's just, like, kind of stated as fact. Um, but the consent is is good. I mean, this is, like, a dominant submissive relationship with clear consent and boundaries, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So, favorite line. All right. <laughs> Pull it up here. Page 113. All right. So, this is um, Hades. 
talking or thinking about Persephone after they have just had a little um, public display of more than affection. Oh. <laughs> um, but, and they're, they've like gone back to their room. Um, and she's definitely trying to convince him to like get back to it again already. So here's what he's thinking. Impossible. If I give an inch, Persephone will run a mile with it. I may not know her well, but I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. This woman is no blushing princess in a tower. She's a goddamn shark, and she'll attempt to top from the bottom if given half a chance. So, anyway, I... Which character is the Dom? Dom? Hades. But, oh, okay. So, but, like, but, I mean, like, they're both switches. Like, he... Mm. He is dominant, submissive, tip, like, in that he likes a dom-sub relationship, and he's typically dominant. And then here comes Persephone, who's like into being a sub, but also into being a dom. And so like she will like play the submissive role and enjoy it and like use it to make him happy. But then like she's also into like switching hmm. okay. to dominant. Okay. So okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So that's my favorite line. So now we'll go into my mini dive. For my deep dive today, um, <laughs> it's like I had so many ideas for this one because like the Greek gods offer a lot of content. Sure, yeah. Um, but what I decided to do was um, kind of talk about Persephone and her, how the interpretations of her story are changing and how she's sort of captured this modern narrative. Um, so, okay, there are a like absolutely crazy number of modern and like, quote-unquote feminist retellings of the Persephone and Hades uh, relationship. It is definitely, like, captured a cultural moment right now. Um, and, I mean, like, there's so many books, and we'll get into what other stuff there is, but um, I there seems to be a lot of reasons for that. Um, but, I mean, definitely one of which is just that, like, I think their relationship is, like, the least problematic of all the Olympians, which oh. is, like, not saying a lot because they're all pretty messed up, but... Um, it is like they have a relationship that appears to be, however it started, which is generally considered to be not great. I mean, like, we'll get more into that. Uh, they do appear to have had a loving and equal-footed relationship um, and also didn't sleep with anyone else. Oh. Which is like... Unheard of. Hugely novel, yeah, for <laughs> um, Greek gods. <clears throat> And then also, like, there's just some Lannister-level shit happening among <laughs> Zeus and, like, company. Um, and, I mean, Hades and Persephone are um, uncle and niece, which is not great. Well, they're all, um, But, I mean... like, it's not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, just a quick content warning. I am going to be using the word rape. Okay. This is like a huge part of their the translation of their story and everything. So I'm going to be mentioning it. Um, and then I also just want to mention some sources at the top because I definitely drew on them heavily. So um, I used an article on the website, which is a now defunct like web magazine called Eidolon. Um, the article is called Rape or Romance by Amy Hines. Um, the book of poetry, Great Goddesses, Life Lessons from Myths and Monsters by Nikita Gill. 
a Mary Sue article called The Cultural Reinvention of Persephone from Maiden to the Dreaded One. Uh, and then Wikipedia, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Um, okay, so just a little background, or not a little, um, a good amount of background. Um, basically, most people probably know the story of Hades and Persephone, which is that Hades kidnapped Persephone from, like, a field where she was alone tending flowers with her, like, nymph friends. Like, she was the only person there. Um, she was hanging out with her nymphs and tending the flowers, and he stole Wait. her back to the underworld. <laughs> tending flowers? <laughs> I mean, so... You know, she I is guess like gardening. Yeah. I mean, but like, I don't think I think it's more like she's sitting in the flowers. I mean, she's who knows what the fuck shepherding those flowers. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he appears, steals her back to the underworld where he forced her to eat six pomegranate seeds, dooming her to spend six months of every year with him in the underworld. Right. That's like the basic understanding of the myth. Um and there are a lot of different readings of this story taking, taken from a handful of different translations with small variations, like who offered the pomegranate seeds. Sometimes it's um, Hades. Sometimes it's like some other creature in the underworld. Um, and also whether she ate them willingly or was forced. In some tellings, they like made her eat them. In some, she ate them willingly. In none of the translations does she, like, know what it means to eat them. So, like, whether she ate them or not, right. like, she didn't know it was going to happen. Um, and there are different interpretations of the actual eating of the seeds as well. Like, some think that it is an allegory for rape or intercourse. Um, mm. In some sources, I saw that the word rape is actually translated from the word that we now know to mean kidnapping or that some people mean kidnapping and that the word for rape was translated as ravishing. So like there are a lot of pieces of art that are titled like the rape of Persephone, but what's actually happening in the piece of art is her being stolen. And so oh. there's like some debate as to how the original story intended that to be told. Interesting. Um, what is generally agreed upon is that Persephone didn't know what the fuck was going down when Hades literally like opened a hole in the ground, burst out of it and dragged her into the underworld. Right. right. So um, she didn't have a lot of agency in that. Um, so some lesser known facts uh, before her abduction, Persephone actually wasn't Persephone. She was known as Kor, K-O-R-E, which means both daughter and maiden um, and was really just known for being Demeter's virginal child daughter. No purpose or agency prior to her abduction. She was just like a child. A child. And I mean, like, whether she was an actual child or not, it's like um, people, the way it's been written about in the myth is that, like, Demeter didn't want anyone. Like, she's like, everyone in my family's fucking crazy. I don't want anyone to, like, try and marry my daughter. I'm going to hide her away. Right. Um, but she was just kind of not doing anything. Um, so she was, before her abduction, known as Kor, um, literally daughter or maiden. The name Persephone, which she obtains after her abduction, means bringer of death. Just pretty cool. <laughs> um, and she only obtained this name after being kidnapped by Hades. Um, and Persephone isn't just known as being like Hades' wife, but as queen of the underworld. Um, in addition to her embodiment of the seasons and the like power 
how I saw it written as like power that is thrust from and withdrawn into the earth every year. Um, she also shares the rule of the underworld with Hades and is often depicted as equal partners with him. Mm. Um, also notable is the fact that Hades is never depicted as stepping out on Persephone. Admittedly, this is a pretty big deal for a major Greek god, like I said. So sleeping with everything that walks was like basically a fundamental trait of all the Olympians. Right, yeah. Um, especially Zeus. And this doesn't seem to have happened between the two of them um and I think this is like like them being in like a somewhat equal partnership along with the fact that they never cheated on each other is like what has led to this frequent depiction of Hades like in this book and lots of other content as like a simp for Persephone like he's just like all about her um so to me it seems like pretty clear why this myth was primed for like a revisit or re-examination Persephone has this sort of like Gen Z fourth wave feminist potential right because she exists in this like liminal space where she can be like both the embodiment of spring and femininity and also like the queen of the fucking underworld like that's pretty cool to get to be both of those things right um and it's possible to interpret her relationship with Hades as equitable. It's uh, it's just clear, I think, why so many people are interested in reimagining this particular myth in a way that assigns more agency to Persephone. So I think that's, you know, like we're getting all this content, whether it's um, books. There's like a really uh, popular webcomic called Lore Olympus. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, it's about them and all the Greek gods. Um, there's like so much content out there um, in which they have this like relationship where Hades is just like totally head over heels in love with Persephone, who has chosen her role as queen of the underworld, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, yeah, I have a, like, favorite TikToker, because, of course, I am always, <laughs> everything is on TikTok, um, whose handle is uh, Daddy Persephone, who <laughs> does, like, the most fun um, Greek god um, content. Um, and then I actually, I printed a couple of poems, and I think I'll oh, read one. Yeah. So this is from the poet Nikita Gill, whose book I mentioned in my sources. Um, and she has three... Um, poems about Persephone in her book. Um, so why don't we do this one? This is called Persephone to Hades. Mm. You are the kindest thing that ever happened to me, even if that is not how our tale is told. When everyone else told me I was destined to be a forgotten nymph that nurtured flowers and turned meadows gold, you saw that the icor in me that resides in me demanded its own throne. You showed me. How a love like ours can turn even the darkest, coldest realm into the happiest of homes. Ooh. Um, yeah, which is like... So these are um, like recent yes. poems? Okay. Yeah, just a few years old. Um, and I didn't... I should have uh, written down the year that the book was uh, published, but I didn't. Um, and then I'll read one more that this is Conversations with Persephone. I asked Persephone, how could you grow to love him? He took you from flowers to a kingdom where not a single living thing can grow. Persephone smiled. My darling, every flower on your earth withers. What Hades gave me was a crown made for the immortal flowers in my bones. Um, Ooh, that's it? That's good. Yeah, they're really good. And um, there's a great quote from Nikita, which I wish I had um, written down, but I didn't, about how like assigning agency... Um, 
to Persephone and allowing her relationship with Hades to appear romantic, like gives her agency and gives her power that she didn't have before in like previous right. tellings of the myth. Um, I just know. And I find that like so fascinating of like, I mean, where these stories even came from is like totally. so like cloudy and you know, anyway. Yes. And they've evolved so much. So much. Yeah. Um, and there's actually like evidence that, um, Demeter and Persephone are like the, come from an older system of gods yeah. from like agrarian cultures that of course would worship anything that has to do with like. Uh, harvest right. or abundance and right. so they may be like the oldest of all the yeah. gods because they sort of were translated from existing goddesses um so anyway that's those i'm gonna totally go by that book because it looks really fun but um of nikita gill's poetry but um okay so just a couple more thoughts um all these retellings definitely bring like joy and a sort of sense of like reclamation to a lot of folks, um, but they aren't without their problems. So I read a really fascinating article on the now defunct web magazine Eidolon um, by Amy Hines, where she su- suggests that removing the rape and kidnapping elements from Persephone's story and other stories um, and telling it as a romance, quote unquote, erases the experience of both ancient and modern women, which is a great point. Like, you know, yeah. just removing rape from stories doesn't like automatically make them feminist, oh, right? But- that's yeah. what they're doing in Texas, right? Right, right. <laughs> they're just gonna eliminate all the rape. Oh yeah, no, don't just don't, don't call it that. And then what do you know? It's gone. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, that was a great aside. Um, and she also makes a great point about how different translations really affect how people receive these stories now um, and how they translate them into their own art. So. I did pull a quote from her. So translated versions of ancient texts are crucial for the ongoing inclusivity of classics. But as Stephanie McCarter has shown, translation is also crucial for hiding or revealing rape in ancient text. And irresponsible translators have turned sexual abuse into a consensual consensual or even sensual union. McCarter points out David Rayburn's translation of Metamorphosis sees as one of those which takes the most liberties and yet it is an extremely popular addition uh raidburn's translation of persephone's abduction makes no mention of her pain or fear of losing her virginity elements in the original and instead euphemizes her rape with a torn dress and dropped flowers so you know it's like that's a really good point yeah Yeah. it's like on the one hand it's fun to reimagine things in a whole new way give a character agency Yeah. yeah But then, like, you can't just remove that other shit from the conversation. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's all I had. I could, like, there's so much. Yeah, and I'm, I, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I did not retain that much information. Um, Like, I couldn't have told you who Persephone was. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, like, yeah. uh, So, no, that's super interesting. Um, (laughs) I did, I kept thinking of, um, there's, like, uh, there's like the like lists of like bad baby names, right? Uh-huh. And Persephone, but spelled incorrectly, oh so that it's Persephone. Is one of <laughs> that was like my most recent um, thoughts Exposure on to Persephone. Persephone. Yeah. <laughs> no, That's I do funny. find that really fascinating, though. That was a really good deep dive. Yeah, yeah. No, there's so much, and um, it definitely made me like this is the shit that makes me miss college, yeah. which is an insane thought. <laughs> I don't actually want to go back and like read. You don't have to. You can just research <laughs> yes. on your own time for funsies. <laughs> Um, and yeah, there's just, there's like infinite 
stuff to unpack there. Um, And it's just as fun to talk about. And also, yeah, fun to read goofy, fluffy retellings also. Also, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So cool. And that's it for this week. Awesome. Well, that was fun. All right. Um, Yeah. What are you reading next week? Okay, you go first, and I will think of what I am reading. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't write it down. Yeah, I have about 10 seconds. Okay. Um, I, next week, am reading a new book, or newer. It came out about a week ago. The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. Oh, that looks good. I like that cover. Yes, me too. Um. Okay, I am reading The Love Hypothesis. <gasps> oh, Yeah, yes. and I have, like, got it on a pre-order forever ago. Um, And it... The author's last name is Hazelwood, and I'm pretty sure it's Allie Hazelwood. Cool. So, yeah. All right. That'll be a good one. See you next week. Bye. Bye.